welcome to the show. I'm Peter Whittle. Before I introduce my guests this week, uh, just a note here about our upcoming locals meeting. It's this coming Wednesday, the 27th of September, and it's in Birmingham. Um, if you would like to come, these events are proving so popular and they're very, very nice. We will be there. You'll be able to meet us and, and we can have a drink and meet like-minded souls. Um, please do get in touch. If you email us at events at newcultureforum.org.uk, uh, we will send you the details. And that is this Wednesday, uh, 27th of September. Hope to see you there if you're in Birmingham or indeed if you're not, if you're in the surrounding area, do do come along and join us. Now, uh, this week saw the uh, publication of an important report. It's called Islam Isla Islamophobia Revisited. It was published by Civitas. It's by Hardeep Singh. And it's all about the adoption of a particular definition of Islamophobia. I'm very pleased that we are joined today by Tim Dieppe, uh, who is head of public policy at Christian Concern. And uh, he is in fact uh, steeped in this particular subject. Uh, indeed, he's got his own report coming out uh, next month for the FSU uh, about general freedom of speech and Islam. Um, Islamophobia, yeah, rather than Islam in particular. Islamophobia, about free speech and Islamophobia. Right, okay. Yes. Um, this particular report you obviously know inside out yes um, I wanted to start actually Tim, you know for the for f just clarity's sake mm. uh, let's let's just talk about the definition we're talking about yes here. Yeah. came out in 2018 didn't it it yes. was part of an all all party parliamentary group on British Muslims that's right yes. yeah um, Islam quote Islamophobia is rooted in racism and is a type of racism that targets expressions of Muslimness or perceived Muslimness. Mm -hmm. um, that to most sentient beings would immediately seem a, what they might call say a problematic definition. Um, can you tell us what the status of this definition is, uh, Tim? I mean, in terms of who's adopted it on the political right. scene? Yes. Well, I mean, part of the concern of this report is about councils adopting it. But before we get to that, um, we can say that very nearly every major political party in this country has adopted it. The Labour Party have formally adopted this definition, as have the Greens, as have the Liberal Democrats, as has played Cymru, as has SNP, as have all of the Scottish uh, political parties. In addition to that, a number of councils, which we'll get to, and various other organisations and sponsored by various other individuals as well. And I think it's very concerning, Peter, because as you read that definition there, Islamophobia rooted in racism, well, sorry, but Islam is not a race yeah. uh, for a start. You know, this isn't about racism. If I criticise Islam and I say Islam's a false religion or Muhammad's a false prophet, something like that, it's got nothing to do with racism. Yeah. Right? It's just not, nothing to do with it. And calling something Islamophobia makes it about Islam rather than about people. When I accept, you know, I don't want to have you know, hurtful, hateful stuff um, about people, but about what about the religion? We've got to be able to criticise a worldview yeah. of religion in robust terms and say we disagree with it. And I think that's very problematic to use your term there yeah. um, and then it goes on to talk about expressions of muslimness mm. what does that mean yeah. muslimness is not defined so how do we know whether we are what, what we're criticizing if i say that polygamy is, is something i don't agree with could that be just determined as muslimness for example or and then it says perceived muslimness so then anything is game as long as somebody perceives it as islamophobic 
I am officially Islamophobic according to this definition and you know I can't predict that in advance I don't know what will count what won't count as Islamophobic and it's all down to somebody perceiving it that way and, and then there's no actual concreteness to this definition at all so then you have a very sort of widespread vague definition that anybody can use against me or against you yeah. to say you've been Islamophobic because I perceive it that way yes and um, and when you have councils adopting it and making it part of their like equalities policy or something then you're saying that any employee or worker for a council who says something that somebody else perceives as Islamophobic, anti-Muslim, you know, criticizing Islam or something, um, they would fall foul of their qualities policy and possibly be disciplined, possibly lose their job. And that is very, very concerning indeed for freedom of speech, in my view. There is, is, is something like uh, one in seven councils in England. So yes, so across England, yes. um, so what the substance of this report is done, he's done a whole load of freedom of information requests yes. um, to the 300 plus councils across the UK. Um, he found that 52 of the English councils have adopted this definition, that's 15.6%, it's, it's yeah. slightly more than one in seven, yeah. actually, that's a lot. And then yeah. in Wales, um, it's actually um, five councils, which is 23% of the councils there, and in Scotland there's eight councils, which is 25% of the councils there. Um, so this is an increasing issue yeah. um, that they've adopted this definition, and I think it's very concerning for free speech for all those people concerned. And also not forgetting the political parties as well. If you're a member of one of those political parties and you say you don't agree with Islam or something that somebody else says is Islamophobic, you could face sanction for that. And that has we started to see that happening already. Let's get this quite clear. Uh, from what you, you've been to all the people who've adopted this particular definition, hmm. um, but not the government, right? Or is yes. it the Conservative Party? Both. Both. So, so the Conservative Party is the only mainstream party that hasn't adopted it as their own definition. Yeah. And then it got very, very close to being adopted by the government uh, back in 2019. And as you may remember, Peter, yeah. um, you and I were signatories to an open letter that was signed by something like 40 different people from yeah. very different persuasions, atheists, secularists, Christians, former Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs, um, and people like Richard Dawkins and... and um, Peter Tatchell and myself, you know, people were shocked, like Christian Concern and the National Secretary agree on something. Well, yes, we do in this case. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, um, and that letter came out like the day before the debate, I think, and I think it swung the government to decide, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. And they, they said, quite rightly, this definition is not fit for purpose. Yeah. And then they, what they did then under, under Theresa May is they said, right, we're going to appoint a group to propose an alternative definition and they appointed um, an imam and, and, and then Boris Johnson came in and things changed. And um, uh, finally, just recently, I think it was last year, the government said actually we're gonna drop defining Islamophobia, which I think is the right decision because Islamophobia is about Islam. Mm -hmm. That's what it is in the term. And you know, let's call it anti-Muslim. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy with yeah, that. Anti-Muslim, yeah. that's about the people. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes, I don't want people being abusive about people, but about a religion or a worldview, we've got to be able to say, I strongly disagree with it. I think it's wrong. I think it's immoral. I think this is false. I think it's bad for you, bad for society, whatever else. And you've got to be able to criticize the culture going in with that religion as well. And you've got to be able to say Islamic culture is worse for women, let's say, than Western culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of us would agree with that. I could mm. be called Islamophobic for saying that. Yeah. If somebody perceives it that way, because it's about Islam, not about the people. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Can you tell me uh, on, on along these lines, are there any particular, there are a couple of cases mentioned in um, 
Hardeep Singh's report, mm. uh, actual examples of where people have fallen foul. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain, uh, tell us a few yes, sure. things that have happened? Yes, one of the most high profile cases is uh, Sir Trevor Phillips, um, right. former head of the Equalities and Human Rights Commission, who actually has said that he, he kind of introduced the term Islamophobia to the country with a report when he was yes. head of the Runnymede Commission. Um, and um, he's said various things about Islam in the country, that they're not integrating very well and things like that. And, um, and somebody you know, collected a whole load of these quotes from him and said he's Islamophobic, breaching therefore Labour's adopted policy of having this Islamophobia definition and therefore he should be disciplined by the party. Now, he's a very high profile person, of course, yeah. you know, former, and, and, and who could accuse him of being racist, you know, uh, but they suspended him from the party um, on this accusation. Mm. And, um, and you know, he was suspended for about six months and eventually quietly reinstated, yeah. uh, probably because of his profile. But the point is that if that can happen to Trevor Phillips, it could happen to any yes. person in the Labour Party, any candidate, you say something, somebody else accuses you of Islamophobia, you're suspended, you're blocked, you're taken out, you're, you're criticised, whatever. And so what it means is anybody in the Labour Party, all these other parties that have adopted it, do not have free speech if they want to stay in their party in relation to Islam. Yeah. Because somebody, whatever they say about Islam, if, if somebody perceives it as Islamophobic, then you can be disciplined by that party, you could lose your seat, you could lose your candidacy, yeah. whatever it is. And um, just, just to take that forward, of course, Labour has promised to bring in a Race Relations Act when they get into power. And, um, and given they've adopted this definition, which MP is going to speak out against it? No, they won't, because if they speak out against this definition, they're speaking out against party policy, right? So you've got a Labour Party then that will bring in a Race Relations Act. They will call this racism because this, this is definition says yeah. Islamophobia is rooted in racism as a type yeah. of racism. Yeah. So they'll probably bring this definition into law. Yes. And then the whole country is kind of silenced in what we can say about Islam because you would be breaching a law. Yes. You know, and that is then an Islamic blasphemy law that we would have. And we're that close from getting an Islamic blasphemy law in this country, I think. Some, some people would say, Tim, we've already got one by the back door, as it were, you know? I mean, well, yes. You know, blasphemy. Interestingly, with um, Trevor Phillips, is that he's, you said, more or less introduced the term back in the 90s, mm. uh, but I think has sort of spoken about his regret about that, hasn't he, mm. I think, at one point? Yeah, well, I think he now recognises that the term, even the term itself, as I said, it's about Islam, yes. and that's the wrong term. Let's use anti-Muslim. Yes. You know, Islamophobia, well, we've got to be able to criticise Islam and speak against Islam, and I yeah. think that's the problem. The problem is, in some ways, in the term itself, let alone the definition, which the definition makes it even worse, yeah. in terms of talking about racism and perceived Muslimness. Mm. You know, it makes it very, very expansive. Um, actually, while we're on that point, we have a letter here, actually, that you found, if you could just uh, explain it to us, it's actually mm. uh, from July uh, 2021, mm. it's uh, the Labour Party, it's to the uh, leader of the Labour Party, but this more or less spells it out, doesn't well, it? Well, this is very interesting, this is a letter sent, as you said, in July 2021, yeah. from Annalise Dobbs, chair, chair, Dobbs, chair of the um, Labour Party, and Steve Reid, Salah Secretary of State for Conservative for Communities and Local Government, addressed to every Labour leader of a local council, right. and it says, we recommend that you should adopt the all-party parliamentary definition, the yeah. one we've been talking about, yeah. of Islamophobia, and it be really important that you do this. And then it's sort of, just to quote, it says, we would therefore be very grateful if you could let us know if your council has now adopted the definition 
If it has not yet been adopted, please also let us know what we can do to help ensure that it is. Yeah. So it's basically kind of a very and it's clear instruction yes. to Labour councils. You must adopt this definition. We want you to adopt it as a matter of our policy. And of the 52 councils, 34 of them are Labour councils, and that's something like 65%. And so, you know, again, if you're a Labour councillor, you know Labour's adopted this definition. It comes up for debate in the local council. You're not going to criticise this definition because you're breaching Labour's rules if yeah, you do. Exactly. So it's obviously going to pass through with no criticism, with no questions, yeah. um, at least from the Labour Party uh, members there. And that's the situation we've got ourselves into here. And Labour Party is pushing their councils to all adopt it in spite of all the concerns that have been raised by it, which are very serious concerns about this definition. Uh, yes, I mean, d as you say, with the exception of the government, you know, it's mm. pretty much establishment-wide, isn't it? Uh, th these things tend to have a trickle-down effect, don't they? Mm. Other institutions will kind of go by that definition. Mm. Can I just ask you before we... Obviously, you've made it quite clear what you would prefer instead, um, but the actual term is homophobic. I remember Christopher Hitchens talking about this. It yes. was a nonsense term anyway, wasn't mm. it? Mm. It's mm. sort of a, it's it's an illogical term, mm. um, and a, a incredibly pernicious one, and mm. which is obviously what's coming to light mm. now. I mean, can we explore a bit when we talk about blasphemy law? You hear this, and I've just said it as well uh, that this, you know, it basically is letting a kind of blasphemy law. You could sort of say that because we have so many instances, don't we? For example, we've talked a lot about the Batley Grammar School yes. um, teacher, who I believe is still in hiding yes, for showing yes. cartoons of Mohammed to mm -hmm. his pupils. Yes. Um, you know, with that kind of... And then you also have the Wakefield instance of the Quran. Yes. And this boy... You know, the autistic a, boy. A Quran yeah. being knocked out of his hand that he owned, his own book, and then he was you know, punished and they were, they were suspended, weren't they, or excluded from the school for that. And the police got involved. The police got involved yes. in somebody damaging their own book. And it was only very slightly damaged as well. Now, that's Wakefield Council. They've adopted the APP definition of Islamophobia. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. Mm. You know? So now that's a de facto kind of blasphemy law. If you damage a Quran in a school, you could face massive consequences, a huge backlash, and the police knocking on your door saying, what are you doing? Is this a hate crime or what? Mm. Now, you know, in the end, I don't think the police did take it any further, but why were the police involved at all yes. in such a, 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 a sort of, you know, minute instant of a, a book being knocked on the floor in a school? I mean, that happens all the time, mm. you know? I mean, so I'm very concerned about this kind of thing, and clearly in schools, we don't have free speech in relation to Islam as it is today as evidenced by those two particular incidents, yes. Don't you think when you look on the general cultural scene and social scene, um, the reason I would say that it's in operation anyway, this kind of mm -hmm. you know, blasphemy law, uh, is that people have internalized all of this anyway. Yep. And so that, for example, if you take, take the arts, yes. for example, mm -hmm. the sort of area that sees mm -hmm. itself as being the beacon of free speech and all of that, mm -hmm. provocative, etc. Mm -hmm. They are silent on this, aren't yes. they? Yes. Uh, well, you know, of course, we had the uh, film, the attempt to show a film. Um, yes. Um, yes. Forgot the name of it now, which is about um, one of Mohammed's wives, and um, and massive protest meant the film got cancelled. Mm. Um, and um, that is that just demonstrates to the whole art world: don't go here, yes. because if you do, you'll make no money, mm. because you'll you'll get cancelled in some way. It goes all the way back to Salman Rushdie, of course. Yes. Thirty years ago, the Satanic Verses, huge backlash. 
um, government stands up for him, protects him, all of that. Um, but the consequence is publishers think, oh, better be careful here, better not um, mm. publish anything about this here. Jewel mm. of Medina came out, there was backlash against that, the publisher cancelled it. Um, and so there's a track record here that the arts people, our media people are very aware of, where if they go near Islam, they're going to face a backlash, they're not going to publish it. This is a kind of de facto don't touch Islam situation yes. that we are in already in this country and that stretches back effectively for 30 years since Sam Rushdie, I think that was 1989. Yes, it was. And in fact, at the time, I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, quite recently when there was the, I think the anniversary of that, uh, the Satanic Verses publication, some commentators were saying, well, uh, we're more at ease with ourselves now and this wouldn't happen now. Look what happens, you know, <laughs> he's attacked in New York only last year. Yes. Um, I would say that it's not that anyone's more at ease at all. It's incredible liberal complacency. It just means people are not going to go there. That's what it means. People have internalized it, as you say, and, and won't publish things and won't do media yeah. things and so on and will avoid that subject. I've got a copy of the little Oxford little handbook. You know, there's a series of little handbooks on things. Oh, yes. One about Islam. It's got a blank page there. And the blank page says, uh, this page used to have a copy of a famous painting um, but some people thought it might be um, blasphemous and therefore we didn't publish it again. And it's, mm, a, it's, mm. a, it's a classic painting and you can find images of it on the mm. web, it's not offensive mm. at all, but it contains a picture supposedly of Muhammad yeah. and some people complain about that. Oxford University Press, we're going we're gonna to basically adopt an Islamic blasphemy code and not publish anything that any Muslim might perceive. And it's quite an extreme position for a Muslim to say that a classic painting like that is blasphemous. Mm -hmm. But they're taking a pretty extreme position, that's Oxford University Press, for example, um, and saying, well, we'd rather print a blank page than actually print this classic image. This uh, particular report by mm -hmm. Civitas, uh, mm -hmm. as I said, is specifically a lot of freedom of information requests to yes. councils yes. Uh, to see. and the. It's had a fair amount of coverage actually this week. Yep. Um, as we said, one in seven councils. Your own work, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be published next month, is mm -hmm. broader than that, is that right? Or yes, well, it's for the free speech union, and that's about the free speech, focusing on the free speech implications yeah. of this definition, which we've kind of talked about already, and how people are, you know, could be accused of Islamophobia for criticizing Islam, for saying Muhammad's a false prophet, or for. Um, criticizing other aspects of Islamic culture, for example, which we've, we've got to be free to do in this country. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's very, very concerning the way we're going. Of course, another example um, is Professor Stephen Greer, who was a professor at Bristol University, running an academic course that was widely regarded and been very successful and uh, criticized lots of different ideologies. Yeah. Islam was one of them in relation to human rights. And um, the Bristol University Islamic Society made complaints about him quite maliciously, quite nastily. And the university did an investigation. It was all quite acrimonious. And uh, poor Stephen was signed off for stress as a result. In the end, you know, they told Stephen, don't talk about it, don't say anything about it, which is unfair because Bryce Sock was saying lots of things in yes, the press and the yeah. media. Um, they ended up concluding that he'd done nothing wrong, completely exonerating him but they cancelled the course. Yes, yeah. But yeah. they cancelled the course. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they said, oh, you know, we do want to respect Islam and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, what does that say to an academic yes. in Bristol University or another? And by the way, that university has adopted the APP definition really? of Islamophobia. Yes. Um, what does that say to any academic who wants to do research into Islam and human rights, which mm. is a valid subject to talk mm. about mm. and discuss? And what does it mean for women and non-Muslims living in Islamic countries? Uh, what about blasphemy laws in Islamic countries? All of that kind of thing. 
um, well, you know, Bristol University is going to say, don't go there, mm. right? Because they don't want the hassle. Um, so it's a kind of fake exoneration. Yeah, it's like, yes, you've done nothing wrong, but we're still going to do the demands of those complaints that were fake complaints. Mm. How do we compare with other countries on this front? I mean, take France, it's a pretty good example. Mm -hmm. um, would they recoil you know, in horror at a, a definition like that, for example? Well, as far as I'm aware, that's a British definition that's only been proposed in Britain yeah, by the yeah, APPG yeah. On, on British Muslims here. Um, so I'm not aware that that definition's been adopted anywhere else or taken anywhere else. It's yeah. a British initiative. Um, and that's that's where it's gone to. But France is, you know, proudly secular as a nation, yeah. isn't it? And they they are in some ways more, you know, stricter on imposing that secularity on on Muslims and mm. in, in terms of hijab in schools and things like that and stuff. So I imagine they wouldn't go near mm. adopting this kind of thing in terms of actual yeah. local councils and governments and political parties and that kind of thing. What what uh, a lot of people obviously feel, and I think quite rightly, is that while this sort of happens with Islam. It's pretty much open season on Christianity, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you could say that. And, and um, you know, people are critical of Christianity and Christian values and, and so on, and openly so and openly quite abusive sometimes about it in a way in which they wouldn't be for Islam. Mm. If it was equal, I'd be fine about it. But they, they see Christians and Christianity as fair game where they won't touch Islam in the same way, they won't touch Muslims in the same way because of this internalization, yeah. as you say, yeah. of Islamophobia as an issue. And I think that's a problem. And I don't want, I don't, I don't like to use the term Christianophobia. I don't like phobias at all. You know, it's kind of like, it's basically a way of not engaging with the argument and insulting you instead or labeling yeah. you instead. Let's, let's actually have the argument rather than try and claim victim status or whatever. This whole proliferation of phobias is surely bad for the country in terms of preventing free debate or discouraging free debate. Mm. You may mm. notice that Putin has said Western powers are yes. Russophobic, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. which is mentioned in the report here. That there's even an account here from a Freedom of Information request. One of the Scottish councils, uh, council complained that he'd been a victim of Anglophobia in Scotland right. and they debated that and thought maybe we should find a definition of that. I mean, is that where yeah. we're going? We want definitions yeah. of every phobia we can think of yes. and then, you know, whatever you say something, somebody says, I don't like that, well, you're a phobic something, you're something phobic. But also it's corrupted the language in that phobia is by, by the very definition of phobia is an irrational fear, yes. isn't it? Yes. It's sort of like, yes. you know, like we might fear spiders or something, it's yes. kind of irrational yes. fear. One thing that I, I, I'd be interested in if you can shed any light on, this definition and a lot of what we're talking about comes from, if you like, uh, government and the political and cultural establishment in this country. Do we know what Muslims think about it? I mean, when it comes well, to you know, support or not? Yeah, I think that um, the activist and the vocal Muslims are the ones who are speaking about it. So the Muslim Council of Britain, for example, has been very, very vocal in support and critical of this report and saying, no, 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 we support free speech, uh, even though one can clearly criticise the definition of face value and also the APPG report itself gives examples of even like criticism of Mohammed and say, well, that's a supposed right to free speech. So it doesn't really, they don't really want free speech, but they'll give lip service yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, and various other Islamic groups also have supported this, but you know, it has got quite a lot of support. And that's, that's a problem with it. Yeah. That's not to say all Muslims want it. There have been some quite outspoken Muslims who said, no, we don't want this victim mm. status. We don't want this phobia stuff. People should be free to say it. And we, you know, 
credit to them for being brave and spoken and, and, and valuing free mm. speech. Um, but they, their voice doesn't get heard as much mm. as many of the Muslims who speak about it. And this is why these councils are feeling like, oh, everyone's adopting this, we ought to adopt it too. Mm. And the this includes, by the way, the London Assembly, of which I was a member for a while. Yes. That, that's adopted it too, as yes. under City yes. Khan. Yeah. Um, what do you, what would you prefer then, Tim? What do you, what do you suggest should happen? Well, I, I don't like this definition at all. I, I think it should be dropped. I think these mm. councils should decide to drop this mm. definition, recognise its problem, recognise it's hindering free speech, recognise it's going to stop people talking about things that gives one religion a particular protection that mm. it shouldn't have. Mm. Um, I would like it dropped. I would prefer the term anti-Muslim. As I've said, I would like councils and, and indeed political parties to say they strongly believe in free speech, including the ability to criticise whatever religion somebody may have or mm. may not have and express it in the strongest terms and express disagreement with it. You probably know about the uh, Waddington Amendment, Section 29J of the Public um, Order Act, which says that you know, we can express clearly, ridicule, yes. mock, insult people's beliefs yeah. and practices. Well, we should be able to do that. It's not the same as ridicule the person, it's their beliefs and their practices. And that we must be able to do, and that's why we don't want a definition of Islamophobia, which then says Islam is protected from criticism. But uh, that, that's the legal changes you would like. I mean, absolutely, mm. uh, uh, everything does come from the law. But how would you, ha this is a hard one, given that maybe those changes happened, how would you then somehow stop people being fearful of just saying anything anyway, regardless of the law? Because I would say that most people now, as I say, internalize things, mm -hmm. they're not quite sure about definition. The majority of people outside of this kind of sphere, they, they don't know what this, they're very unclear about it. So they err on the side of caution. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, therefore, that it adds to this general atmosphere of people not being able to say what they feel. And mm -hmm. that is wise, but how does one, mm -hmm. how does one conquer that? You'll talk about a change of culture. Yes. And, um, and that takes time and that, that, yeah, that takes um, a lot of effort and it takes people being brave yeah. and people being brave to go against the, the, the prevailing zeitgeist, so to speak. It takes people speaking out boldly and courageously and people looking at that and thinking, oh, I could say that too if they say that. It takes yeah. people watching these kind of videos with you and me and thinking, oh, you know, they're actually speaking sense here. Maybe I can speak some sense as well. And it takes educating people about Islam and about the nature of Islam and about free speech and valuing free speech. And, you know, great work that the Free Speech Union are doing and you're doing various other people are doing and trying to uh, promote that yes. and encourage that. And, and then the, you're getting more and more people are thinking, yes, we should get back to free speech. Yes, we should encourage speech. And it takes time. Law is one aspect of it, but changing the culture is a yeah. whole other aspect of it. And it takes time, and, but I think we can get there, but it will take time. I think, uh, you know, without going off t too much in a different direction, mm. the I would agree with you about the change of culture, but at the same time, demographically, yes. uh, the Muslim population is growing and growing. Yes. So uh, even if it's not the majority or, or whatever, you know, even if or yep. it is, right? yep. um, essentially that's going to be a stronger and stronger incentive, isn't it? towards definitions and towards restriction. Well, I agree, that's an issue. I mean, I think the last census, it was six and a half percent, I think from memory, six point something percent um, Muslim, and the growth is primarily through immigration. Yeah. Um, and uh, we need to control immigration. Yeah. You know, we need to, need to control it. It's become out of control. We've got too many mm. people coming in, and it does affect the culture. 
Yes. And that is another aspect of it. And we know that, you know, in certain areas of Birmingham, certain areas of London, Tower Hamlets, the rest, but it's, it's, you know, 40, 50 percent of the local population yeah. is Muslim. And they, they, some of them actually view British culture as almost Islamic. You know, there was that report, was it yes. the... Um, was it the case report that said that you know, children in secondary school believe that Britain is 90% Asian? Because mm -hmm. um, that's their experience. You know, they, they grow up in a kind of monoculture experience. They, they go to a school that's 90% Asian, they come back and, and socialise entirely with people who are 90% Asian, and all the locality is 90% Asian. That's what they believe. And so, you know, you've got these monocultures that are not integrating into society and, you know, very much mm -hmm. in favour of immigrants who come in and integrate but there's a problem here that they don't integrate well they tend to create monocultural um, local communities and uh, and it's a challenge to the culture yes and then you've got politicians who are worried about the votes mm. and uh, mm. want to want to you know please all the Muslims and therefore never say anything that might criticize Muslims and so on um, particularly in high concentration areas like um, you know, Birmingham, Bradford. Well, this was um, behind the Rotherham and the, and the grooming gangs. Yes, uh, yes, scandals, yeah. uh, definitely. Um, there's one, uh, I just was glancing at it, there's one recommendation actually that uh, this report made, yeah. uh, which is that I think companies and public, public bodies should scrap uh, unconscious bias courses and things mm -hmm. like that, which might seem as though it's, it's not really germane to this but it actually is isn't it it's all part of the same thing and that's one of the recommendations there well I agree yes and how do you define unconscious bias and, yes. <laughs> and you know how can you know you're guilty of it and it's all about you know it, it is a fake concept really and no, there's no evidence that unconscious bias training actually improves anything or changes anything well, in fact it even makes it worse well, the evidence yes. is that you know people go on these courses and and react against it yes. and end up being more biased than they were before because like, this is such nonsense yeah. that they think well I don't agree with that at all so it really is bad for people to to go on this training it really should be scrapped oh yes it's actually this week the 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 American who actually came up with this whole sort of method um, wrote saying that basically you know it's it doesn't work it actually can make things worse you know this, this is the guy who actually came up with the whole thing well, right. uh you know which i suppose you know he'd give give him credit for that um thank you very much for that actually, tim i was going to ask when is your report out do you have a date i don't have a date now but i think you, you do next month uh, next month yep. definitely yep. i'll very much look forward to that in in the meantime uh this islamophobia revisited um, I've got a hard copy here but apparently you can just download it if you go to the Civitas website that will probably be the case for yours too won't it yes, I imagine yep, uh, yep. thank you very very much for thank talking you. about that this is a crucial issue which is is allowed to drop isn't it occasionally mm. I mean mm. there have been high points but then it's just sort of allowed to just drop yes. it shouldn't be should it yes no credit to Civitas for highlighting it yes yeah. exactly yeah Thank you very much, Dick. Thank you. Uh, that's it for this week. We shall be back next week. So see you then. Take care. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, 
and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.